This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's cracking, beer lovers? What up? We back again. It's a great day. Yup. College football Saturday. It's also a good day for me because I'm going to a Beartooth concert tonight. Nice. I'm excited. Been a minute since I've seen Beartooth. It's actually been a minute since I've been to a concert. Well, like a true real concert. COVID. Because of COVID. Um, and I'm actually really upset because the Delta variant, I'm going to have to wear my mask the whole time and I don't want to get in the pit and because like such close quarters with everybody, yep. I've got to stand in the back and wear my mask. It's just better not to go right now, man. Yeah. But I, I've got to see, I've got to see Beartooth while they're in town. I just, yeah. I have to. They only come into town every once in a while. Yeah. And so when they do, I've got to go see them. Got it. Got it. I wish I could mosh though, but nah, uh, man, just not with not, the vid. Not with the vid, man. Not with not the not vid. With the Probably gonna stand in the back, maybe have a beer, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I haven't decided. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about our beers. Let's do it. So I went to Total Wine, uh, crap ton, Tuesday and bought I don't know six or eight individual beers. Um, and in Clayton's own words, I bought some weird stuff. And that that is very true, and it's also very intentional. Yeah. These next several episodes, quit watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. Um, we've got... Uh, we've got the uh, uh, Michigan game on over there. Yeah, Michigan uh, and Western Michigan are playing, and yeah. it's on in the background, so I keep glancing at it, and Clayton's getting on to me. Apologies. Yeah, anyways, um, we've gonna, we're going to have some weird stuff on these next few episodes. I just grabbed the first two out of the fridge that were in the front, so mine's not super weird, but Cullen's is. Yeah, so let me talk about it. This is from New Belgium, which as a brewery, I actually really like. Love them. It's called the Sour IPA. Seems sketch. Which does seem sketch. It's an India Pale Ale blended with wood-aged golden sour ale. That sounds so weird. Hazy (laughs) and partly sour with a chance of another. (laughs) That's <laughs> that's literally everything on the can. That made no sense to me whatsoever. And weirdly enough, well, it's seven percent ABV. And to our YouTube people, I don't know if you can see that. Um, the emblem is a kite, a kite flying high up in the clouds, sky high. Yeah, high as a kite. Is what the image is. So get your 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 cannabis jokes in order because that's what they're that's what they're going for. They're trending towards. But New Belgium is also um, in Fort Collins, Colorado, where Marijuana cannabis is, is legal, legal. So or yeah. decriminalized legal. So um, uh, yeah. So I love the weird, funky things that are happening with beer just because, like, it gets you out of the rut. 
There's no box anymore. Yeah, that does not sound like something I would like just because I don't like sours. I love sours and IPAs. I yeah. think it's going to be off the charts for me if it's good. So I love red ales. Yep. I actually you, do. Yep. Love a good red. Um, and also, I love Houston. Yeah. And thus, we have the 8th Wonder Brewery from Houston. Yep. The Cougar Paul. And if you don't know, the mascot... Of U of H is the Cougs. Yep. Uh, and so it says here, it's a, a malt-forward sweetness that fades into a roasted, dry, easy-sipping finish designed to enjoy while rooting for the Cougs. Nice. Um, I go to U of H downtown, so I can't root for the Cougs. I got to go Gators. I'm sorry. It's just uh, a loyalty thing. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that, bro? You have no honor. Go Gators. No. Yes, I'm loyal to my school. No, we'll go to a better school. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. UH Maine is about to be in the Big 12. I know. I'm actually really proud of them. But it's yeah, actually a different uh, division, right? So it doesn't even matter. <laughs> what do you mean it's a different division? Gators don't play Cougs. Yeah. Right. Like, well, we don't, that's not even. Gators don't even have football. No, they don't, but we have basketball. Wow. A credit card. <laughs> Anyways. Um, go Cougs. Um, 5.2%, 16 IBUs. Yeah. That's nice. It. Please recycle. Cheers. Cheers. Woo. Ooh. That is actually not nearly as sweet as I was expecting it to be. Hmm. I actually really like this. I actually really like mine too. Trade? Um, sure. Beer swap. Beer swap. Ooh. That's funky. As sours go, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, yours, not my favorite red. Probably not my favorite either, but like it's really good for what it is. I would say. Um, There's some malt flavor in it that's, I feel like, clashing. So, you're, you're going to call me crazy. Reminds me of sweet tea. That malt flavor that you're talking about. It, it reminds me of this kind of like Arnold Palmer type deal. Maybe what whatever there's like a there's a faint malt flavor in that that's not doing it for me. Yeah. Um, all right, you want to score it? I'm sorry, Eighth Wonder. You know I love you. Y'all got a lot of good stuff. This is just not my f most favorite. Yeah. Um, I'm probably five point four. 
maybe 5.6, so where's somewhere your, in that range. Remind me, where's your starting place at on your scoring table? Um, so... Like, how's your scale work? My scale works based on just within category um, compared to other things. No, 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 right? I know, like, but it... So is a five a terrible score? Is that a good score? It's midpoint. Okay, so you're doing it literally just on it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm doing mine a little bit different. I'm starting everything at a 7.0, and it has the availability to go up or down from there. Mm. Um, I'm still doing it within its own category. Yeah. I like this. It's very unique. I think it's a really good beer. I'm going 7.4. Good. I th- I think it's a very good beer. I will be buying it again. The sour sours typically have a more carbonated flavor, which I actually kind of like. It makes it a little bit more refreshing. Nice summer beer. It, sours I have found have a very similar mouthfeel to like hard seltzers. At times they can, but then combine it with the IPA flavor. I actually really like it. Yeah, firmly a seven point four. That's a good beer. Hey eighth wonder. Do a thing. Make a hopped hard seltzer. Hmm. Yeah, so 8th Wonder is also a distillery. Yeah, and they do a hopped gin. They do a hopped gin. They're also the brewery that makes the Haterade. Yep. I've actually recently kind of gotten interested in the seltzer thing. Mm. Um, Just because it's like it's hot and those are light and refreshing. Yeah. And they can be done really well. Yeah. Um, it doesn't all have to be crappy white claws. <laughs> I'm not really into them. And the only real reason that I'm not is not because I actually think they taste bad. The reason I'm not into them is because I think they're dangerous. Oh, yeah. They're incredibly dangerous. You, because they are like water, mm-hmm. you can blow through them so fast and catch yourself in a spot you never imagined being possible. When I was, we were celebrating my birthday this year, and uh, my buddy wanted some black cherry white claws. And we were just, we were just drinking them, bro. And they were, I don't, I was like two in in a matter of like 30 minutes, and mm-hmm. I was like, Nope. Gotta slow down. <laughs> uh, this ain't good, y'all. Drink responsibly, <laughs> this people. This ain't good, y'all. Um, but yeah. Uh, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Let's do the thing. Let's talk about marriage and divorce. And specifically... From Richard Hayes' book, So Sweet Tea, The Moral Vision of the New Testament. He has a section in here, chapter 15, on marriage and divorce. It's very clear to me through the narrative, the entire narrative of Scripture, the divorce is not the desirable outcome of a marriage. Yeah. That a marriage between two people forever is the intended goal. Hmm. We live in a broken world. 
and there's pain and trauma and things that happen that prohibit us from sometimes being able to endure that. For instance, my own situation. I would have taken my ex-wife back even after the affair, even amidst the affair. I would have taken her back because I believe this to my core. You know, Malachi has a, a section in his text that says God hates divorce. It's what it says in Malachi. I'm looking for it right now. Um, but yeah, Malachi says God, here it is, Malachi 2, 14 through 16. So look to yourselves and do not let anyone be faithless to the wife of his youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Very clear to me that God hates divorce. Very clear to me that it's a unity. The metaphor surrounding it, all of it, that's not the intended goal. Yeah. But at the same point, Richard says this, and I think it's helpful. Richard says, to require people to stay in difficult marriages against their inclination would be to impose a harsh law contrary to the spirit of love. Mm. And persuaded that this line of thought has had disastrous consequences for the church. Yep. I could not agree more with that. Because here's the deal. And this is where I am grateful for my friend Joshua Hilburn. Our doctrines can't sacrifice the person before us. Yeah. I believe that God hates divorce. Agreed. I also believe that there are times where it's necessary. Well, I believe that marriage is supposed to be life giving and life revealing. Yeah. When it's not that, the question is, is this honoring anymore? Is this yeah. valuable to me as a person anymore? Is it healthy for me as a person any longer? Yeah. Um, and, and in that, it makes me think about, cases of abuse mm -hmm. and like ipv just in mm -hmm. general um whether it's physical emotional or sexual abuse yep um at that point can you work it out um is there some way and no matter what situation you're in whether you're a female being abused by your husband or your husband being abused by your wife or it's a same-sex like LGBTQIA plus thing, whatever your situation, if there is IPV, that is no longer a healthy, safe space. Mm -hmm. And that's really where my mind goes in this scenario. I would also say that in situations of adultery, um, it's true. Because you... Unless you've been faithful to someone for an extended period of time, yeah. my ex and I were together for 11 years. We were married for seven years. And yeah. I was faithful through and through. Oh. 
I loved her with everything I had. Now, granted, there were seasons where I was unhealthy. There were seasons where she was unhealthy. We, like all marriages, definitely had our problems, of which I contributed to. I'm not saying I didn't have those. I'm not saying I was a perfect husband because I was far from it. But I did the best I could, and I was faithful to the end. When you've lived that, and you're willing to give everything up for this person, and they betray you in this way, and then replace you, like literally overnight, I was replaced with a new man. When she decided that was the decision she wanted to make, it was done. She stopped telling me she loved me. She started telling him she loved him. She stopped sleeping with me. She started sleeping with him. We didn't stay in the same house anymore. Very quickly, she started living with him whenever she wasn't staying at the house. Like, I was replaced. Yeah. When you feel that expendable, very hard to overcome that level of betrayal. Very hard to say that that's not abusive and extremely unhealthy for you to stay in that position. Yes. It, it almost feels like an experience of death. Uh, no, not almost. It absolutely does. Yeah, it absolutely feels that way. Um, I have never been in that situation. But from hearing you talk over the last... What is it now? Nine months? Eight months. Eight. I found out in February. Okay, so yeah, about eight months. Um, very much an experience of death. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the question then becomes, is there an opportunity for resurrection? Well, okay, so that's... Well, before we get there, <clears throat> let's talk about the biblical text. Okay. Almost every gospel has conversations about marriage and divorce. Sure. A lot of places in the Old Testament have conversations about marriage and divorce. Yes. Paul has many conversations about marriage and divorce. Yes. Oddly enough, they're they're all unified while also being extremely diverse and possibly contradictory. Mm. They're all unified in that divorce never the ideal. Yeah. They're all unified in that marriage is something worth fighting for and continuing in. But they are all different because here's the deal. As we go through these texts and Richard goes through them, and these are some of the texts he goes through. Mark 2 through Mark 10, chapter 10, verse 2 through 12. The Pharisees come and ask him a question about divorce. This is where he says, For the, um, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Okay? Yeah. And then Mark actually gives this clause, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now here's the deal. That's a question about remarriage. Mark doesn't seem to think that you can get remarried. Then he talks about Matthew 
19 verses 3 through 12, which, interestingly enough, Matthew's given over to a very Jewish perspective, which has no construct that a woman has any authority to divorce her husband. Even though Paul, when we get to Paul, he does seem to think that. Because he's given over to a Roman idea. But Matthew's the one that first introduces the word porneia. Yeah. That you can divorce, you can't get a divorce except on the grounds of porneia. Which we have now translated to infidelity. So, yeah. So you have a definition of porneia. What is your definition of porneia? Sex things that are bad. Sex things that are bad. It's a huge category and could mean a variety of different things. Richard Hayes spends like two and a half pages talking about porneia, exclusively porneia in this context. Okay. This is what he says. Finally, any interpretation of the acceptance clause must do justice to the very general meaning of porneia in contemporary Greek usage. It is a generic term for all... S- <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what he says. This is what he says. Porneia is a generic term for all sorts of sexual misconduct. Sex things that are bad. Hey, Rich, I'm glad we agree, buddy. Yeah. So, good job on your like, definition. Appreciate like, it. <laughs> good job. Then he does a conversation between Matthew 5 and Luke 16 because they have the same conversation, just in different ways, which, oddly enough, Luke adds some things that are different. The Lucan form of this saying is closely parallel to Matthew 5 with two significant differences. It lacks the exception clause, and it shares with Mark 10 the surprising declaration that a husband who divorces his wife and marries another thereby commits adultery. Then, Richard talks about Paul in 1 Corinthians 7. Very weird thing here. This is where he talks about the unbelievers and staying married or getting divorced. Mm. He has a much wider conversation. And this is where he says, not the Lord says, but I say. Because he doesn't have a construct from Jesus that he can work within to answer these questions. And that is very important to hear. This is yes. Paul's statement. And with us not affirming inerrancy, mm-hmm. with Paul stating mm-hmm. that this is him speaking, he could be wrong. I don't think he is, but he yeah, could be. Yeah, I think, so this is where authority would still come into play. Yeah, for sure. But this is this is what Richard concludes from his dialogue with those five texts. In sum... We've seen that these five texts on divorce manifest simultaneously a deep unity and a bewildering diversity. Mark and Paul offer a vision of marriage in which man and woman bear similar freedoms and equal responsibilities for sustaining the relationship, but Matthew's redaction of the tradition systematically reaffirms the patriarchal assumption of Jewish law and tradition. Both Matthew and Luke assume the traditional Jewish legal framework in which only the husband can initiate divorce. But Mark and Paul address the world of Hellenistic custom where the wife has the right also. 
Mark and Luke categorically prohibit divorce, but Matthew and Paul both entertain the necessity of exceptions to the rule, situations in which a pastoral discernment is required. What about remarriage? Luke excludes it altogether. Matthew thinks that divorced women cannot remarry without committing adultery, but leaves the door open for husbands to remarry if their wives, if their first wives have been guilty of porneia. Paul advises against remarriage for anybody, including widows, but presents his position in a way that invites his readers to enter a process of discernment. Mark vehemently rejects divorce as an instrument of serial polygamy, but does not entertain the problem of remarriage under special circumstances, such as those envisioned by Matthew and Paul. When you really break down the nitty-gritty of these five, they're really all over the place. The only place they're consistent is that divorce is not the end goal. Like, divorce is not desirable. But everything else, literally everything else, is up in the air for question and not necessarily in contradiction with each other, but definitely from diverse perspectives and communicating different things. Yeah, that was that was my whole deal earlier about stating that like Paul could be wrong, right? In that moment, yeah. right? Yes, authority is still a thing, but we have such a mixed variety of perspectives in the Bible on divorce. Well, uh, we haven't even covered Hosea and Gomer. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Which that's a whole story where it's a, a poetic metaphor of God's love for Israel put into the story of Hosea, a minor prophet's love for his wife, who's a prostitute, Gomer. Yeah. And she continues to cheat on him, and they have kids, and he names his kid No Mercy. (laughs) Like, all of it is this thing this beautiful story of the parallel between God's love for Israel and Hosea's love for Gomer. And he keeps taking her back time after time, after time, after time. And we don't even know how many times he takes her back. We don't know all of the ins and outs and we don't even know how long she's gone for a lot of the time. Well, so let's, let's also break that down a little bit further into really what that looks like. Because not only is that a representation, like theologically and in the narrative, it's a representation of God and Israel, Mm -hmm. right? But the level of love that he has for her Mm -hmm. to endure that time after time after time. Yeah, interestingly enough. Which is also another comparison to God and Israel, right? Well, actually... It is, but it's not. Have you noticed that of all the texts we've talked about today, none of them talk about love in a marriage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is it? I don't actually know. Because they're all Christological metaphors. Mm. And Christological metaphors are embodied by love in the background through sacrifice, through suffering. Here's the deal. Why does Mark spend so much time talking about divorce and remarriage or divorce and marriage? Because for Mark, it's marriage is an experience of discipleship. It's going through the suffering, the hard times, 
and allowing those to shape you into the image of Christ. To yeah. some, that's Mark 8 through 10 right there. And in the middle of it, we get a conversation about marriage and divorce. Yeah. Why can Mark so confidently say, hey, don't get divorced? Because it's a conversation about being shaped into the image of Christ. Suffering for the sake of Christ. That's the ethic here. It's not a question of love. It's not pop culture. Yeah. Love is sacrifice. Yeah, fundamentally. Love is not this feeling of butterflies. Yeah. That's attraction. That's infatuation. That goes away. It does, yeah. Why is divorce rates across the board in the 70th percentile? Because nobody's willing to sacrifice. Nobody's willing to sacrifice for their other husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and wives do likewise essentially right mutually submit yourselves to one another that's ephesians 5 21 yes what did christ do he gave his life he for the gave church. his life for the church that is the ultimate sacrifice yep fundamentally love marriage healthy relationships yep are built on sacrifice Exactly. Um, I was about to get on a high horse, um, and I'm not going to do that. You're okay. So we're going to spend one more week in this series on marriage and divorce talking about what it means to live this life in light of these texts, because here's the deal. These texts are a little bit all over the place. What I'm confident of is that divorce is not what God wants. Yeah, it's not the answer. Not always the answer. What I'm also confident of is that we live in a culture and a climate here in America where we give divorce decrees like it's candy. Yep. Well, and not just that. It's also this understanding that if I want to stay in my marriage because it's what Christ is asking me to do, I don't have a choice. Mm. If the other side wants to end it, I do not have a choice. No. In America, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so... There are things that get taken out of our control. There are things that are taken out of our hands. So what do we do? How do we live our life of faith in understandings of marriage and divorce and let our ethic of what we think about God impact how we live both in our marriages and when divorce comes? Because 70%, like, yeah. it's going to come. Like, our parents, both on their second marriage. Yeah. Like, this is not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I don't take marriage lightly. Yeah. It's a very serious deal because the metaphor is all Christological. All of the main metaphors we have for marriage are Christological. That makes it sacramental. Hmm. 
which makes it extremely important to take very, very, very seriously in all areas.